Amen. Thank you, Jenny and the bands. We continue with the series of Colossians. And uh, for those of you who have not been here the last two weeks, I just want to, to wrap it up before uh, I start talking a little bit of what I want to share uh, this morning. So Colossians is a pastoral letter written from prison. Paul um, was in prison because obviously he's been preaching the gospel in the wrong places, like the synagogue and the city centers, and he's got involved in, or he's got in trouble because he's disobeyed the law, the orders that he has received not to do so. So here we've got somebody who is in prison because he's obeying a higher mandate of God's calling to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So, so Paul is writing uh, to a group of people who he's not planted this church. So Colossians is not a church that is planted by Paul. So he's, he's, he's sent somebody else to go um, and spread the good news and then there's a group of people who've been involved and embraced and they've, they've taken this um, seriously. They've responded to the gospel and here we are. And it's interesting uh, that Paul starts the letter by noting a few things about life and growth in that community of faith. And of course, he's going to start with notes of ushering and bringing life to this. So they carry on doing what actually they've done so far, responding to the good news of Jesus Christ. So he starts the letter by saying to the faithful and to the holy people of Colossae. And how empowering that phrase is when you've got a little community of believers who are finding themselves immersed in all sorts of uh, things to stay on track with believing the gospel. And then the last Sunday we talked about that Paul had this, this amazing attitude towards the church because he was really thankful for the outworking of the gospel into this community of faith. So, so he says, I, every time I think of you, I thank God. And this posture of gratitude, posture of heart. And today we're going to be looking at the, if we can have the first slides, Colin, we're going to be looking at the second part of Paul's prayer. So when he shifts from prayers of thanksgiving to what he's specifically praying for them. And each week I've decided to, to throw a, a question to myself and to you. And the first question that we kicked off the series, and I'm going to remind you of all those questions in which we, the first time when we kicked off the series is, are you ready to grow? Because we, letter, the letter that was written to Colossians was a letter that encouraged and imparted that desire to grow. Are you ready to grow in your maturity in Christ? Are you ready to grow in numbers as a community of faith here at Cairns Road? And then last Sunday we said, what are the things that you are thankful to God for this community of faith? Name them, speak them, encourage one another. Use that time over the coffee after the service finishes when you speak life rather than just speak about sports. That's life too, but um, let's talk to them about that later on. And then the question that I'm asking this morning is, what are you praying for, Andrew? 
next slide talks uh, a little bit about that the kind of the, the reason why I, I wanted to go down this route was because I've been really struck by the message of the parable, the story that Jesus told about the good seed, the parable of the sower, the, the sower who, who, who really um, sowed very generously and then the seed landed in, in four different uh, kind of soils. And the soil that we're talking about, next slide please, is the, the good soil. Unfolding Colossians, Jill very kindly and generously reminded me today of a verse. If you open Psalm 119, verse 130, I've never read this verse. Well, I've read it, but I've never um, fixated it, if that's the right word. Is unfolding your word brings light. Thank you, Jill. And it gives understanding. Psalm 119, verse 130. This is not the reason why I have chosen the theme unfolding Colossians, but it's good. It's good how God brings things together. Glory to Him. So, unfolding Colossians. Um, and we said that we're going to do it on the, in the light of those four kind of areas that actually Jesus is, is talking to his disciples about. Uh, the next slide talks about the good soil when actually um, Paul takes their, where the Colossians, the, the church in Colossae is, it takes it, it and, and, and it says, no, I want to, to really approve that you have responded well to the gospel and I want to, to bless you. And you've got more opportunity for growth. So keep it up, guys. So you are a good soil. The word of God has landed in good soil. And then it's just helping a little bit. We're going to see in chapter 2 and 3 how Paul evaluates the, the climate where they are. He, 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 he talks about the stuff that they are facing. And as I said, if you remember that the church in Colossae was was faced with two big things. When they have encountered the gospel, they had two things that they were facing. The first one was syncretism. So it was Jesus plus something. Jesus plus culture. Jesus plus... Or we, we, we have the idea that actually, yes, we've got the gospel, but here we are. So we might as, have, might as well have Jesus as an add-on and see what happens. And Paul is saying... No, no, the gospel is not that. And then the other thing was, actually, we need to, to give them some, some credit for this. This is a group of believers who are situated in, in, a, in, a, in a town, in a city, and actually there is no kind of things that are quite traditional. So no wonder they want to go to, to regularity and rhythms and stuff. And what does that other than just to have a good set of rules and a good set of religions? So, so the tendency was then to go towards Judaism and talking about the whole idea that actually, you know, going back to obeying rules and regulations, it's, it's better because it's our, we know where we stand and safe and all those things. Whereas Paul is saying, no, no, the gospel is much bigger than that. 
It's much bigger than that. It's freedom. It's, it's life. It's not taking you down. It's just bringing you up and letting you thrive and embracing the beauty of the kingdom of God. And he has to model it. He has to model it. And I think, apart from, from, from these disciples, we've got no other role models that, that lived out what the gospel meant for them when Jesus wasn't there. And we see how their lives, it's not only about Paul, but it's about other disciples, how their lives were transformed and that when the life that they were transformed, they were imparting. Peter, others, look at those. I mean, Paul, we've got three quarters of the New Testament only because God revealed the gospel of Jesus to a man going with a mandate of being a radical terrorist to go and kill the people of the way. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? I got excited there. Paul's prayer, that's the slide, is um, Paul's prayer. It's, I think it continues, and I have used the same heading as I used last week for his gratitude just to, to refresh your memories and also to... You know, Paul's prayer is not something that he does it because he finds it on a piece of paper and has to go through the rituals of Jewish tradition. Paul's prayer is, is much grounded in this communion that he has with God. This conversation that he's not only just talking and talking and talking and bringing lists to God by saying this, 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 and this, but it's that space also to allow God to speak. So that's why he says, never stop praying about you. It's not that he's there, he's closed himself on, on, on a corner and he says, nothing to do with the world. What I'm going to do is for the rest of my life, I'm going to be praying for Colossians. No. It's the posture of hearts. God, these are my concerns. Why yours? Am I in tune with what you're saying? Or am I just talking gobbledygooky, whatever you call it? And it's interesting how by allowing that space to see what God is saying, how that, that's where the place of transformation of our hearts happens because it's not about only prayer requests but it's about communion God this is my heart can I tune it with yours and can I allow the gospel to offend me so then my heart becomes closer to yours. So that never stopping of prayer is not, it's a posture of heart. Let's read Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14. For, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life 
worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruits in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. Light, sorry. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. That's an intense prayer. It's full on. Heart's posture. He has to model it because actually Paul is being attentive and caring to the needs of the community. Because he knows that the thief is there to cheat, the thief is there to deform, the thief is there to steal the truth. So those are the things that he's kind of tuning his heart with God's and he wants the Colossians to tune their hearts because that's how they can keep up on track with the good news of Jesus Christ. So it's not only a posture of heart, I said, it's a role modeling, and also opportunity for growth. Keep it up, guys. Actually, God is in your side. Do you want wisdom? Go to God. All your neighbors, all your society around you are talking, all the Greeks around you are talking about this great wisdom. It's nothing in comparison to God's wisdom. Do you want understanding? Don't sit and ponder and do. Just go to God. That's his attitude, that he's giving an opportunity for them to embrace growth and go for it. And again, this is a significant feature of a disciple who's living his life by faith, by love, and by hope. Three of the qualities that he thanked the Colossians for. So why is Paul writing the prayer? Why is he praying the way he's praying? And I've looked at this prayer. I've read quite a bit about it. I've been pondering. I think um, I wanted to encourage us to be thinking a little bit in those terms. But this... um, four out of the many options that are there. I think my first kind of inclination is that Paul is praying this kind of prayer for the Colossians because he understands that this community of faith is very fragile. Epaphras has gone to send the good news in Colossae They've responded to this good news of Jesus. They've become a, a community of faith. Hopefully, this community of faith is marked by Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that they are pressing on and the teaching of the apostles. They're pressing on in prayer and fellowship and sharing the, the Lord's Supper. Because, actually, they've seen it work, and this is the early stages. But remember... This group of believers is in Colossae. They're fragile. 
They haven't got the New Testament. They haven't got a temple. Not that Paul wants that, but, but those were the things. So, so in one sense, they're quite exposed. And Paul is going to say, no, no, I totally understand that. Which makes me think a little bit saying that what are the things that can make us as a community of faith fragile and exposed? And are we able to address them in our prayers? I mean, they didn't have the New Testament. I think the church in the West acts as if we don't have the New Testament. The amount of people that I talk to that they struggle to read Scripture, the New Testament. Oh, they're fragile. And I think, I think when we talk about the temple, I'm not going to talk only about the whole idea of having a church building. But for the Jewish people, the idea of the temple was identity in God. That's where the presence of the Lord dwelt. Well, bring it home, 21st century. We've got enough church buildings. But are we people that are in that place that's saying, we have met with a living God and therefore our lives are transformed and we're going to go and live out for him? We're fragile. We're fragile. The other thing that Paul is saying here is about wisdom. And it's not about being wise. It's about being streetwise. The reason, the reason why I'm playing with those words is that being wise is having understanding and streetwise is being practical about that understanding. So this is not just being theoretical. It's just being streetwise, being practical. And actually, I think wisdom is something that we as God's people in the West need to constantly tune our hearts, God's wisdom. And do you know where that starts? Well, Solomon has got some good words about that. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. How many of us have been sitting in different conversations for people to try to explain to us what the fear of the Lord is and not to try to make it fearful and not to try to make it really scary and stuff like that? But for me, the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord. It's that sense that actually, yes, through Jesus I have encountered this God Almighty, but there is that sense of awe and grandeur and respect and, and worship. It used to really me, annoy me when I was in Bible school. I hope my friend doesn't listen to this. We had a guy in our room who used to pray, and the way that he would just pray... I thought it was so disrespectful. It really used to get me because I thought, 
You have no You've taken it. You've made it so domesticated. We do that, don't we, in our culture? Teddy bears. Who wants to cuddle a real grizzly bear? But we all have made it cuddly. We do that. We domesticate God. No, no, no the fear of God is not like this, but it's not, not that you... No, the fear of God is the fear of God. That sense of hope and sense of grandeur. You are facing God Almighty. You are guys. You all are in the presence of God Almighty. So that's where the beginning of wisdom starts. That's where you start... When, that's when I start becoming... Streetwise. So I've not gotten only the head knowledge that God is holy. No. God is holy and dealing with the holy God. Mamma mia. God is love and dealing with a God of love. Whoa. God is just and dealing with a God of justice. Whew. And we carry on making those statements. And he says, this is what I pray. For God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you know what the key lesson was at the parable of the sower? The parable of the soul's key lesson was not listening, was understanding. They all listened to what the, the parable was. They didn't understand. Why do you talk in parables? Different language. Where does it start? It starts with God filling us. Do we want that? Well, I want that. I find myself being stupid over and over again because I've trusted my own wisdom. Because I'm not living my life as being fearful of God. I don't have the... And when I say that, again, I don't want to underestimate what I've said about the fear of the Lord, but trying to find definitions about the fear of God that actually suits me but doesn't suit the definition doesn't suit the concept, doesn't suit what we see in the scriptures. And then, how is this beginning of wisdom, how is this will of God, how is this knowledge and understanding going to be manifesting itself? With four ways that he talks. If you go back to the verse calling, sorry, I'm, I'm having to do you some extra work today. Four ways that is going to be manifested. And they all have to do with growth. Fancy seeing you that there. Bearing fruit. Straightforward. I was talking to somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was, but again, we don't expect an orange tree. I think it was Jenny, actually. We don't expect an orange tree to give apples. We expect an orange tree to give oranges. 
We don't expect the disciples of Jesus to be syncretists or religious. We expect them to be disciples of Jesus. Growing in the knowledge of God. And this is not head knowledge. And I think that's the fear that we, we I, 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 I think as, as church, we sing in, swing in two ways. Whether we're raising a generation of people and disciples who've just got all the information, and that's what happened in the last 20, 30 years, all the good Bible knowledge and stuff like that, never put into practice. But my fear is now is that because we have been looking down upon that, we're raising a generation of disciples who are ignorant of the Scriptures and what God has. And how God has revealed Himself to us through the Scriptures. So, so that knowledge of God is God. If this is who you are, well, that must make a difference in my life. Otherwise, you're just a statue of Buddha. And the last thing of the slide is he's praying and he knows that this is a reminder. He knows that the need to be streetwise. He knows that actually growth is going to manifest itself in fruits, in growth, in thanksgiving. Um, what was the fourth one? The fourth one was... Strengthened. Bearing fruit, growing, being strengthened with all the power of God and giving thanks. And lastly, he's able to do this because of the God-given potential. And what has the church been qualified from God with? There are three great statesmen there that I believe we don't make good use of. I really do. I don't make good use of my own discipleship, let alone to see that in our corporate. Inheritance. So he's talking here with Jewish terms to a group of people who probably knew that. But inheritance actually had to do about God's presence and blessing. And God has qualified you, Colossians. God has qualified you, Cairns Road, with that inheritance of God's presence and blessings. What a great place to be. And then, redemption. Redemption is to be rescued when you're enslaved. And then, forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins. That's why I said earlier on in the, when we took communion that it's great to be living our lives out of that place of God's speaking life rather than us making statements which are not true. I'm going to stop here. Because I believe that actually those things that are true for Colossians are true for us as Cairns Road. And that's why I've been so selective. And I want to encourage us to be praying about this this week. 
for one another, for ourselves. And also, I want to start doing that before Jenny comes and uh, finish, uh, closes the, 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 the service. I want to give some time, maybe that we pray about this together.